0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander.
1: Enjoy your stay.
0: How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm DJ. And we are here today to talk about, well, this is something that happens all the time, right? Like you sit down, you're shuffling up, everyone's kind of like getting ready for the game, and they push their commanders towards the command zone, and then you go, you see it. Somebody pushes in a commander, and you're like, oh, no, not that deck. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) ooh, I don't like that deck. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about our most hated commanders to play against, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, these are the legendary creatures we just do not like to see across the table from us. But before we get into the main topic, you know, maybe you like annoying your friends, (laughs) or maybe you need to get some cards to fight against these decks that we're gonna talk about. And the place to go to pick up that stuff is cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your magic product, your singles, you know, it's the holidays, you're probably buying gifts for friends and family, CardKingdom.com slash CommandZone is the place to do that. And while you're there, or if you're at your LGS or anywhere else, I would encourage you to check out Ultra Pro products as well. They make the best sleeves on the market in the Eclipse sleeves. They also have all the guild-themed stuff right now. And uh, Ravnica Allegiance is coming up, so they're going to have Simic and Azorius and Rakdos and all that. You can already pick up those sleeves, those playmats, those deck boxes if you're getting ready for the new set. And the last way to support the show is directly if you go to Patreon.com In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to... Harley Harley Keith. Keith. Harley, you rock. Thank you. Harley, that is such a cool name Uh, every time. Yeah, Yeah. I have a a niece, nephew named Harley, and I'm always like, man, that wasn't a name when I was a kid, and it's a name now, and I think it's a cool one.
1: Yeah, I never had a friend named Harley. That's a cool name. Okay.
0: All right, Let's, let's get into the main topic here. Most hated commanders. I got I to gotta make a little uh, disclaimer. I'm a little bit under the weather here. So if I sound funny or if I cough, which I will try not to do, I apologize in advance. <laughs> All that holiday travel, it gets you. I know, right? <laughs> okay. It's okay. So um, I I guess we can jump around a little because we kind of ordered it like the ones I put down and then the ones you put down. Yeah, let's but jump that around. But doesn't, that doesn't seem fair. So we'll, We bu- don't
1: get to throw papers as much if we jump around, but that's okay. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So I'm let's, fine with that.
0: Let's talk about the... We'll start at the top, though. My this was mine one of my most hated commanders. Is this
1: in any particular order, Josh?
0: This is in no particular order. Okay, it's not like our most hated to our second most hated to our <laughs> third. Uh, we didn't rank them that way. Yeah. Um. Okay. So it's Prosh Sky Raider of Kerr.
1: Ugh, Prosh.
0: Yeah. So Prosh, <laughs> I'll read the card just so everybody knows is three a black a red and a green. So six mana total for a 5-5 flying legendary creature, a dragon. It says, when you cast Prosh, create x one red kobold creature tokens named Kobolds of Kerkeep, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast Prosh. And then he also says, sacrifice another creature, colon, Prosh gets plus one, plus O until end of turn. So that's a little wordy, but when you cast Prosh, when you cast him the first time, you paid six mana for him, so you get six 0-1 tokens with, that come along with him.
1: You're afraid of a six-drop Commander Josh that makes 0-1s that don't even get any bigger? That's like a bad Avenger of Zendikar.
0: Yeah, it seems like this, this card wouldn't be that great until you've played against it. It's real good. Yeah, and <laughs> also the fact that there's a sacrifice outlet stapled to Prosh is very, very important. It's a free sacrifice outlet, too, Just a card that literally just said sacrifice a creature, period, for free, would be good. But it also gives Prosh plus one plus O. This interacts, interestingly, with commander tax. So when Prosh has died, you now are paying eight mana to cast him the second time. And therefore, you get eight kobolds and then 10 and then 12 and then 14. This dynamic actually creates a lot of the reason why Prosh is pretty broken. And often in games against Prosh, you do not want to kill Prosh. Because you actually don't want them to recast it and get more tokens, yeah.
1: Or you know, sometimes the players sacrificing the prosh on their own, yes, through some often. other means. Very often, uh, they they have all sorts of great sacrifice shenanigans, not only on prosh but in other ways to gain advantage, and they use these bodies, which makes for like a really cool deck, but a very dangerous one.
0: Yeah, prosh is can be very combo centric, and I think you know the reason that I this is one of my most hated Commanders, stems back to, you know, long ago when we were first starting to play Commander, there just happened to be like three Prosh decks in my (laughs) meta. So I saw Prosh like almost every game and all of them eventually sort of built, I wouldn't say the most highly tuned, but all of them eventually had Food Chain in them. And Food Chain is kind of the card that makes Prosh, you know, kind of turns it up to 11, right? That is the big combo card, not just for Prosh, for many decks, but Prosh interacts very well with Food Chain, which is an enchantment, and you sacrifice a creature, and you get a combination of mana in any colors to one plus the amount of CMC of the creature you sacrificed. But you can only use that mana to cast creature spells.
1: That's the limiting factor. That's, yeah. ma- that's what makes it fair, right?
0: Yeah. Except for with Prosh, you get seven mana, and then all the kobolds can be sacked for one mana, which means you can always recast prosh and you come out with extra mana on the other end it basically means you get unlimited mana to cast creature spells and unlimited kobolds which means prosh is as big as you want him to be because you can sacrifice the kobolds eventually once you have you know infinite amount of them to make prosh huge most of the time though you don't even need to bother with that you just go through some other combo like or you have perforos out or you Alter of dementia or there's a million other ways that you sort of take the fact that you have a million tokens and win with it yeah um
1: which kind of makes me a little bit sad because I want Prosh to like be a token deck and I want it to be an awesome dragon that smashes into you. And and I think it kind of degenerates into sort of a very combo deck as it goes up to those higher echelons. And uh, yeah, it's really good.
0: Yeah. yeah. The fact that it's in black means you can tutor from food chain whenever you want. It's mm-hmm. pretty easy. Also, it's in green. So you can go get the crater hoofs and the triumph of the hordes and things like that. There's, it's really a hard deck to keep down. You can sort of shut off, like, Food Chain, we got rid of it. That doesn't mean you're fine. Because just (laughs) Ashnod's Altar is really, really good with Prosh, right? Because you sacrifice all the tokens for two extra mana, which pay for the extra cost of Prosh. And you can almost do the same thing just with Ashnod's Altar. It's just a deck where it comes at you from so many different angles that it's, it's kind of hard to keep it down. Anytime you're playing against a Prosh deck, you just you got to be really on your toes because you can lose it any second. So Josh,
1: what percentage of our audience is like nodding along with us? Like, yeah, Prosh is is, is hated. And what percentage is like, I want to go build a Prosh deck yeah. right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's probably 50-50 or probably more on the side of want to go build a Prosh deck. Heck
1: yeah. It is,
0: it, uh, it is a CEDH deck. It's one of, I think it used to be tier one. It might still be.
1: I don't see it very often, but I don't play very much uh, CEDH. It's definitely a powerhouse at the table.
0: Yeah, it's a very very strong deck. So, uh, and I think I think, you know, listen, we have to acknowledge our own bias and we can't make a list of like this and not pick our own most hated commanders. So a lot of it has to do with just seeing it every single game for like the first six months I played commander just like somebody was playing it and often there would be two prospects at the table. It was brutal. And they would win a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you want to go to uh, one of yours?
1: Yeah, let's go to one of mine. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Sion of the Ur-Dragon. We're going to stick in the dragon theme right here. Now, you might be thinking, what's wrong with Scion of the Urge, oh, Let's read
0: Scion here so people can understand. Yeah. That.
1: Scion is a five-color commander. It's Wuburg, white, blue, black, red, green, for a 4-4 legendary creature, a Dragon Avatar. Uh, the Scion has flying, and for two mana, you can search your library for a Dragon Permanent card and put it on t- into your graveyard. If you do Scion of the Earth Dragon, becomes a copy of that card until end of turn, then shuffle your library. That on its surface sounds awesome. It's a five-color dragon deck. You get to pull dragons out of your deck and stick them into your graveyard, and suddenly you've cheated an amazing dragon that you can smash your opponents with.
0: We shouldn't we should mention a couple of rules things about this. So when Scion becomes the copy of the thing, it actually loses the current ability that it has. Mm-hmm. So you pay two and you put like Uvara Helkite into your graveyard and now signs an Uvara Helkite. Uvara Helkite doesn't say pay two, find a dragon in your library and put it into your graveyard. So you can't do that anymore. However, the way the stack works means that there's all kinds of crazy shenanigans where you like... Activate pay two, this, and this, with that activation this. on the stack, pay two again, and with that activation on the stack, pay two again. And so you say things like, I'm going to have it turn into this, but then it's going to turn into this, and then it's going to turn into that. And then you go, while it's this, I'm going to do this other thing, and then it'll turn into this, which will have an activated ability. Every time somebody plays Scion, it's like, okay. I mean, I forget the exact combos, but there's a lot.
1: Yeah. The one the one thing that I'm the most scared of is uh, they attack with Scion of, or Scion of the Air Dragon. Oh, right. And I'm like, all right, what cool dragon are you gonna turn it into? I'm kind of
0: I'm it's kind hard to block about it. Because yeah. they can turn it into anything.
1: Yeah. And it's it's got flying and sometimes it comes down pretty quickly too. And then they turn it into OG Nicobolus, and then it smacks me and I have to discard my entire hand. Because that's the activated ability on the original Nicobolus. Oh, well, that's the triggered ability, yeah. The triggered ability. If it deals
0: yeah. damage to you. Yeah.
1: And then I'm not playing magic anymore.
0: Yeah. That's a brutal one.
1: It's so brutal. And it's simple.
0: They don't even have to stack a bunch of things. They just I know. go turn it into that.
1: So I like I like the reason why I think I I don't like this card uh, playing across from me is that I kind of want to pl- see them smashing with dragons. I kind of want to see a cool dragon deck and it just ends up hitting me and I end up discarding my hand and being all sad. If you're playing, and it's just me too. It's not everyone else. Why do you always have to come after me?
0: There's these co- there's a combo I've I've been on the receiving end of which is that they turn it into something that has fire breathing. They pump it and then they turn it into skithrix. Yeah, I've seen. So that it too. hits you for ten infect just out of nowhere. You basically always have to block the scion every time they swing it, but there are ways to make it unblockable and stuff too. Like yeah. it's uh,
1: and also there's like ways to make it like you target it and then they turn it into a the hexproofy one, with Hex-proof, one. Yeah. the Hex- hexproofy one and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's a real yeah. I get where you're coming from because you're like cool deck, this is gonna too. be a cool dragony deck, but it's really just a combo deck.
1: It's really just to smash me in the face so I discard my hand deck.
0: Anytime you're cheating and tutoring, cheating costs and tutoring stuff, you're probably doing a good job and that's what Cyan totally. does. Totally. It's yeah.
1: totally powerful. <laughs> it's awesome.
0: All right. Awesome? I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I don't like it that much.
1: Uh, it makes me groan when I see it across the table from me.
0: Okay, well, here's one that makes everybody groan when they see it across the table. It's Grand Arbiter Augustine the Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so this commander is two, a white, and a blue... For a legendary creature, Human Advisor, it's a 2-3. Four mana, 2-3. Doesn't sound bad so far. It says, white spells you cast cost one less to cast. Blue spells you cast cost one less to cast. Just, uh, you know, your spells are cheaper. That's pretty powerful, but it, again, doesn't seem. Why would you hate it, Josh? Because the last (laughs) line of text says, spells your opponents cast cost one more to cast.
1: Josh, it's only one more.
0: It's so much more. (laughs) It's so much more. And the fact that their spells cost two less, everybody else's cost one more. I know, sometimes their spells only cost one less, but they have a lot of, like, dual-colored spells in there. And that gap is so huge that, like, Grand Arbiter decks... And they often... (laughs) <laughs> they often pile up the tax effects, right? So they're like, well, I'm already making everybody mad with my commander. So I'm just going to put in Aura of Silence, Spell Titan Forcer, and I'm going to make it so that all their spells cost two, three more to cast. And then I'm going to Counterspell because Counterspell is so good. We, we always talk about how Counterspells, there's a mana disparity with, between oh, yeah, what's going yeah, yeah. on, and that's a t- huge tempo advantage because I'm spending one mana to stop your five or six mana thing. Well, they get an automatic discount on their blue spells and all your stuff costs more. So the disparity there is even bigger. Ah, this, these decks are just like a slog. Do you
1: want me to tell you a story about a Grand Arbiter deck? All right, go for it. Okay. So you mentioned the idea of the taxation and yep. the counterspells and stuff like that. Uh, my opponent leaned pretty heavily into that. And uh, even though they're in blue and they have access to all all sorts of counterspells interaction... Uh, I got mana tithed uh, They're <laughs> just, like I, just, I just for, for the rub- white mana just skill. for the rubins. That's a <laughs> one one white for a counter target spell unless the opponent pays one.
0: But it's super good in this deck because they don't have one extra because you're taxing them so hard that they're always just casting. You know they're like I have a four drop, but it's going to cost five. I'm actually going to play my three drop for four because that's how much mana I have, and then you go. Mana tithe. Yeah, yeah, They were
1: running Force Spike and Mana tithe, and you, you're just like desperately tapping all your mana to get a piece of ramp out. You're just like, please, I need just like one piece of ramp. Nope. And it's like, nope. Actually, do you just have one more mana to pay for that? No.
0: The other thing I'll say about Grand Arbiter decks is they have a ton of that stuff, a ton of Wraths, and they're pretty low on win cons as a result, right? They want to counter everything. Yeah, it's a slow to wanna... So what ends up happening is like nobody can do anything, and then nobody can win. And you're like, listen, Grand Arbiter person that's making everyone, you know, <laughs> not be able to do stuff. Will you just kill us, please? But they're like, well, I can't, actually. I'll, I I can stop you all. but
1: they're, they're like, I have a secure the way somewhere in this deck. Yeah, eventually <laughs> I
0: will. But, you know, that's going to take like five or six more I've turns. I've seen
1: people commander damaged out with a Grand Arbiter before. Yeah,
0: just literally I'll hit you with it because you can't play anything until you die. Which, by the way, it takes a long time. It's so
1: long. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah,
0: not my favorite.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh one one card that is, that's similar to Sign of the Earth Dragon uh, is Sliver Queen. All right, let's take a look at Sliver Queen. It's You're just
0: hating on tribal.
1: Am I hating on tribal? No,
0: no, you're actually not. I'm just, no, I'm just actually, starting I like that tribal. narrative. Oh my gosh, yeah, don't do that. Because dragons and now slivers. I know, right? Okay,
1: <laughs> Sliver Queen is white, blue, black, red, green for a 7-7 Legendary Sliver. Good rate. Um, and it has an activated ability, uh, two mana to to put a one, one colorless sliver creature token onto the battlefield.
0: So two mana of any color and you create a one, one sliver.
1: This seems like it'd go in a sliver deck really well. Mm -hmm. It's a cool commander that leads the way. And then you play all sorts of slivers. And then for just two mana, You get a 1-1, which isn't that good of a rate, but when the slivers are all buffing each other and synergizing and everything's going, then you're paying two mana for another awesome creature that goes onto the battlefield.
0: Yeah, if you don't know, slivers, the way they work is, or most of them work, like any card that's a sliver usually gives all slivers an ETB effect or something like that. Muscle sliver says
1: all slivers get plus one, plus one.
0: Yeah, you know? and the newer slivers actually just say all your slivers That's right. get so and so, but in Commander that doesn't tend to matter because there's not a lot of slivers on the other side of the battlefield very often. So this two mana a one one sliver often like triggers like three or four things because you have all these other slivers out that say when a sliver enters the battlefield, destroy an artifact, one in a green, yeah, exactly, uh,
1: yeah, draw a card for some of them, you know, all your slivers get flying stuff like that. Actually, I'm totally okay with that build of this deck. I think that's super fun. Yeah. That's what you think this deck's going <laughs> to be. You, exactly. That's what I want this deck to be, but it's not. It's like, it's like always hidden in sliver queen is just like a degenerate combo. And it has to do with that two generic mana to activate
0: it. They should have uh, put some colorless mana or if,
1: if there was a, col- if there was any color or, in sorry, there, colored mana. Yeah. yeah. If there's any colored mana in there, then some, some, it basically makes it one more, little hoop to jump through and makes it hard to do. For example, ant queen, Yep. Ant Queen is not this, like, broken thing that, like, takes over the format. Um, Ant Queen is one and a green to activate and to put a insect creature token on the battlefield.
0: You think they would have learned by now, like, put a colored mana or two in there. Like, Thrasios is the same problem. When it's all oh, colorless right. mana, it's just...
1: Brr, 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 alarm bells are ringing. I'm sure some people hate Thrasios out there, and oh, we yeah. just didn't mention it because we have Thrasios decks.
0: <laughs> well, Thrasios is my favorite deck, but it is very powerful. <laughs> maybe, but, people,
1: maybe people are looking back at you and you're like, I hate Josh's deck. Oh, my gosh.
0: So, but back to um Yeah, Sliver so the Queen. way to
1: you abuse it?
0: Yeah. Uh, is
1: Ashnod's Altar. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that basically gets you infinite ETBs. And so things that we talked about just with roads a second ago, like... Um,
0: Ashton's oh. altar is you sacrifice a creature and adds two colorless mana to your mana pool. So that pays for the, the two mana for sliver queen right. to make the sliver that you then sacrifice to Ashton's altar. And that's an infinite loop. Yeah. So Perforos deals damage every time a creature enters the battlefield. So you just kill everybody. Or like we said, Impact let's say, let's or say, yeah. Or stuff. one of the yeah. slivers that triggers like destroy, you know, an artifact, destroy all the artifacts, destroy an enchantment, destroy all the enchantments. Just, you know, all kinds of stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. Draw a card, draw all the cards.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then also there's uh, Mana Echoes, oh, which yeah. is a crazy. card. It's a cool card, but it is a uh, Basically, when a creature enters the battlefield, you create an amount of colorless mana equal to the basically the creature types it shares with. And so you reach a critical mass of slivers, and suddenly you just have infinite slivers and infinite mana.
0: Yeah, if you Mana Echoes is if you uh, a sliver enters the battlefield and there are three slivers on the battlefield, you gonna get four mana now because it's one also.
1: Oh my gosh, and it's then better.
0: Yeah, and then you do that again, right? You use that mana to make more slivers, which makes you more mana. That card went way up in value when all the tribal stuff came out, so it's actually pretty expensive now. Oh, I is think. it really? Yeah. So
1: maybe we we'll, and also sliver queen is on the reserved list. So expensive. And is kind of expensive now too. Yeah. Uh, if you like sliver queen, uh, you might wanna buy that before they print slivers again. They will print slivers again one day uh, because they're awesome. And people, people love buy, slivers, People yeah. buy them. Yeah. And so if you want a sliver queen, like, buy it now. They're not going to break the reserve list. We're not going to have a reserve list conversation. But I think that Sliver Queen's a cool card.
0: You're telling people to buy your most hated deck or one of them?
1: Yeah, but they don't have to build it like that. Like, you don't have to have Perforos. Just go Slivers. But the Slivers. problem is you
0: never know. You can't trust it. I you're know, like, at any moment, oh, you looks it looks like you're doing the fun thing. And then Perforos. Ashdown's off there, kill everyone. Do you okay. know what else
1: sometimes hides in these five-color decks, too, is like, It's like, oh, like I'm playing this deck. Hermitrid combo or something like that. Like, so sometimes there's things hidden in this deck. And you brought it up when you were saying, like, you can't trust them. Yeah. Maybe if I play against you a few times and you bring it to your play group, you can start trusting them.
0: Yeah, five-color decks are tough because they can tutor for everything. Yeah. And they have every combo in there. They could, right? They could. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, My next one is the Scourge. Of one v one, it got banned in one v one. It's Brawl, Chief of Compliance. Let me bring it up here on my phone so I can read it. This this did get banned in one v one. I think it got banned in Brawl too. I think it did too. Yeah, yeah. It's Brawl, Chief of Compliance got banned in Brawl. The format that I know that gets confusing. <laughs> uh, okay, it's one in a blue for a one three human wizard it says instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Similar a little to Grand Arbiter, but then it says whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card.
1: That's I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, it doesn't it. Like, is it that different than any other blue commander?
0: It could be Talrand, and this could be Mizzix in the same slot. I like, Okay. yeah, Baral, I think, is worse than the other two, because it literally says the word counters a spell on it, which tells you how people are almost always going to build it. And that is the counter everything deck, the permission deck. To the max, it's very, it just, there's a lot of things about it that I don't love. Which is like every time you do anything, you just have to look at the brawl player and be like, I cast this. Does it resolve? Okay. Now I cast this. Does it resolve? And every time you're like, do I bait out the counter spell? Do I blah, blah, blah. And the fact that it gives the discount to their instants and sorceries does what I said earlier. It widens that gap between the amount of mana they're spending which is versus how much they're wasting of yours. Also, brawl is a two drop. Yeah. Why the heck did they make Baral a two drop? If it was a four drop like Talrand, (laughs) I think it would be okay. Comes out so early and you have to kill it like twice before it's hard for them to recast. I just, they made a little mistake here, I think. Well, clearly. They banned it in a couple. As far
1: as, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely in 1v1 having access to this early on is really good. But remember one V one, you can direct all your counter spells at a single person yeah. in multiplayer. There, there are ways to correct for it, but I, I don't think the deck, I can... think it just, I think it just grinds the game down a little bit and just everyone, it all centers and starts revolving around the brawl player and what they decide to counter and what they don't. And that kind of brings a different dynamic to the game.
0: Yeah. Cause to be clear in a multiplayer setting, I actually don't think the brawl deck is extraordinarily strong. None of
1: these are like, I don't think that Brosh is very strong. St- posh, posh is pretty strong but yep. some of them aren't actually like oh we we hate them and they're the worst decks because they always beat us it's just kind
0: of like three to we're not yeah. saying the top tier decks necessarily they're goes.
1: just ones that we were kind of like i gotta watch out for you
0: yeah they're not not my favorite so Baral counter everything again another deck that's low on win cons so even when that deck's winning it's not going to happen for a while and that's another way where it's like i don't mind like decks they go off they win okay they win but it's when they go off, and then I'm the outcome of them going off is no one's doing anything. That I'm like a little. Uh, that's not my favorite.
1: Yeah, and and you said before this could be also be Talran the way some people play that music was something that we that we kind of tossed around a little bit.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, All right. Okay. I'm going to go with
1: my mono blue commander. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I have on here is Azami Lady of Scrolls.
0: This is a really good one. I th- I thought about putting this in my. Oh, did you really? In my mono blue slot. Yeah. This is a very powerful <laughs> deck too. All
1: right. Uh, Azami Lady of Scrolls is two blue, blue, blue for a zero two human wizard.
0: Five mana zero two.
1: Yeah. Uh, Azami has very simple text. Tap an untapped wizard you control. Draw a card.
0: Azami is a wizard, so it can tap herself. So it can always tap to draw a card, just her. That's the least of your worries. <laughs> Honestly.
1: So Azami, by the way, like I mentioned that I like Azami in like my Braids deck. I actually like it as a part of the 99. I like it in, in decks where you have a lot of wizards and you can utilize the card draw. Yep. It's when it's the commander that it drives me crazy because I know the type of deck that's coming. Yeah. It's definitely a deck that sort of controls and then draws with the wizard. In fact, it almost has a secret commander. The secret commander is... Is uh, a
0: Laboratory Maniac. Is
1: Laboratory Maniac. Yeah. We're going to see a lot more of those in the wild coming up with Ultimate Masters and it coming in as
0: an uncommon. Great. And
1: Laboratory Maniac is fine. I don't mind if you win with Lab Man.
0: I'm bored of it. But Just I'm FYI, a little bit bored of it. I've lost to it many times. There's, it's the win condition of a lot of decks.
1: A lot of decks use it as like the primary win condition. Yeah. And... It's fine. Lab, and all. Ma-
0: Lab Maniac, we should say, is just a yeah. creature that says, uh, "If you if you would draw a card and you have no cards in your library, instead of losing, you win the game."
1: On its on its surface, that's an awesome card. I love uh, you, you win love, the game cards. Yeah, you would. I the game really cards. do. I love you win the game cards. But this has become so powerful and so ubiquitous that suddenly it's not unique anymore.
0: CED, uh, competitive EDH decks. This is a win condition in, in quite a few of those, oh, which tells yeah. you it's very very strong. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: So what does the Azami deck look like? Well, a lot of times it's a lot of countering. It's a lot of a, a lot of other stuff. And then sometimes they just play mind over matter. And then they basically have locked out the game in one because they can keep tapping and untapping their Azami over and over again, draw their whole deck, deploy their lab man, keep up interaction. Boom. Game over.
0: Yeah. So At least the game ends quickly. That's true. They do win. Oh, it yeah. just wins the same way kind of every time. That's what I find a little boring. I have a funny story. Oh, yeah. So, uh, GP Vegas where we sit down and I think it was, I think it was a five player game. You just, I, I, allowed it because and so many people were, 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 watching or sorry, we're waiting. And I was like, let's play five players, but we'll play fast. And this guy pulls out a zombie and everybody at the table is like, uh, zombie. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. It's like a 75% of a zombie. It's fine. And I was like, okay. So we start playing. And then some other player, I don't know why they did this, played laboratory maniac on like team turn like six or seven. And I was like, that's weird. And it was in a weird deck. The person playing the Laboratory Maniac, I was like, I don't get that because your deck doesn't seem like it's going to be able to do anything with that. But okay, you know. And then, of course, these zombie players like, well, fine, I'll take that and then I'll win with it. Like the next turn. <laughs> he was like, well, I don't even have Laboratory <laughs> Maniac in my deck. Like, this guy played it. I don't know. Maybe I got played. Maybe the two of them were like colluding.
1: <laughs> <They're glued>. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But do you know what? If I'm not a zombie player, I think I would go for that. Yeah, I'm like, I don't have Lab Man in my... Swoop, yeah. thank
0: you. <laughs> I don't have it in my deck, but I mean, if you're going to do that, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, um, the next one is one we agreed on. This was actually, we did our list separately, and this is the only one we had on both our lists. Yeah. It's Narset Enlightened Master. This is formerly of the T one Tier 1 variety, but uh, it's sort of been relegated, I think, to Tier 1.5 or so now as... Far as competitive edh it's three and jeskai so three blue red uh white six mana total for a three two human monk has first strike and hex proof but says whenever narset attacks exile the top four cards of your library until end of turn you may cast non-creature cards exiled with narset this turn without paying their mana costs so it's kind of like jaleva there's been a few cards like this now But this is a very powerful version of this effect because it's on attack. It's not on combat damage. Doesn't have to hit them. Number one. Number one. Uh, It's the top four cards of your library. Four cards is so deep. And then also another thing about Narset that makes it very very powerful is she has natural hexproof. Hexproof on the card. So that just makes it extremely difficult to get rid of. You can wrath and stuff of course but Narset's going to come back and eventually she's going to get an attack in. The only games you beat Narset is where she literally never attacks.
1: Sometimes I've seen it with before, which is very, very satisfying.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's very rare. But it's rare, rare because they build, people that build their deck correctly make sure they have a critical mass of cards that keep everything going. They keep Narset going, that end up winning the game.
0: Also, they're in red. They have haste enablers. They've mm-hmm. got the lightning greaves and stuff. They probably won't play Narset until they can guaranteed... Um, set the top of their deck with what they want. And what they want is very simple. It's extra combat steps and extra turns. And that's all you need to hit with Narset because you could swing it with her one time. That means on your next turn, you're going to swing with her again Mm -hmm. and you're going to exile four more cards and now you're going to hit one or two more extra turn type spells and you're going to get a time stretch or what are the other ones? You're going to get a relentless assault and... The game spirals out of control yeah. from there,
1: and part of you wants to just be like, "And it's over."
0: Yeah. But then, but
1: they can whiff. <laughs> but they they can whiff, and they have such a critical mass of of take an extra turn, extra combat, but they're only swinging with a three two, right? A three yeah. two. They're only swinging with a three two.
0: It takes a while, but after you know, after they've got like I've been, they've banked like four turns, they got an expropriation. And yeah. Stuff like then that. you're like, yeah. okay, but I've definitely seen it happen where they swing m- extra turn. Extra combat, whiff. And you're like, okay.
1: I've seen a mill before.
0: Yeah. So it it can happen, so you have to sit there and watch it. But it's very low percentage chance. 90% of the time, they swing, you're dead. Everyone's dead. It's... And I know people look at Narset and go, well, she's six mana. The problem is they all run Mana Vault, Grim Monolith, Basalt Monolith. They get her out on three or four very often. A lot of times you could just cast her because she has hexproof. If you can get her out on three. And then... People like, need a
1: board wipe right then. Yeah,
0: and it's it can be hard that early in the game. Like, and it can
1: be hard to have some of the natural answers to Hex Proof that you might be able to have. Like, maybe if you know it's in your meta, you have, like, ways to kind of interact with it. like yeah, yeah like Lighthouse and stuff. Things I mean, like
0: that. You but, have to have it and a kill spell. It's very tough. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a deck. And it just, again, it, it's a deck that wins the same way kind of every time. And it's usually, it just usually wins on the first swing. Do you know why I...
1: I think I don't like Narset very much is because I tried to build a Narset Horas deck. Everyone's
0: like, no, I'll kill you.
1: Yes, and they just killed me. <laughs> where I like, because I really want to put like, Eldrazi Conscription on it and like all of these cool enchantments. And I'm like, I'm gonna like roll you over that way. And now I just died.
0: Anybody that's played against Narset enough will just be like, every single time it hits the table, the entire table tries to kill Narset. And so as the Narset player, it can become frustrating where like no one's allowing me to ever swing with this. Yeah. So.
1: so the deck doesn't work if you don't really swing with it.
0: That's another reason to hate it, right? It's not even fun for the person playing it a lot of times. Either they win or they don't play. <laughs> like, I don't like that that's, level of variance.
1: That's one reason why I I scrapped my um, Izzix, Mizzix of the is Magnus yeah. deck is that it was powerful and it was fun for me sometimes. And yeah. a lot of times it was just everyone watching me go off. And it came down to it where a friend was like, in your in your experience, are you gonna win? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, sweet, we don't even need to worry about it
0: anymore. <laughs> we don't need to actually see. You. We trust and you. And
1: then like it, yeah. So then the deck just wasn't as fun anymore.
0: I haven't pulled out my Mizzix deck in probably a year, so I'm about ready to take it apart. I need that force of will in other places, man.
1: Ah, all right. Do you want to know something funny? Is that like we had a lot of synergy with our with our pairs as they go up? Because my last my last one is Edric. Spy Master of Trust, another commander that relies on extra turn spells. Yes. So let's take a read of Edric, Spy Master of Trust. It's one green blue for a 2-2 elf rogue. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card.
0: I think Edric is so cool. And... Well, let they might have missed it, right? Whenever a oh, yeah. creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents... Its controller draws a card, which means if DJ plays this and I swing at Jimmy, I get to draw cards. Because Jimmy's one of DJ's opponents. If I swing at DJ and do damage, I don't get cards. No cards. This sounds sweet. The politics of it seems sweet. When you played it, was it in the first conspiracy? It was in one of the conspiracies. It was
1: in one of the conspiracies. When
0: you played in that, uh, that meta it's awesome because it works how it should, however,
1: <laughs> in the ninety in the ninety nine also I yeah. think it's fun too. uh granted, it might not be at its best because you could be giving your opponents tons and tons of card advantage, but it makes them hit each other, but it's cool. they hit each other directly. they draw a card? they end up liking Edric and stuff like that. But when it's sitting in the command zone, often it the deck does not play out like that. It is a death from a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> Because the way they play this deck is they play island flying man go yeah visible
0: stalker it's
1: a, they play one ones with evasion in some way as low as possible. Uh, one of the rules of thumb is that you need to have as much power as mana put into it. So they need like two mana two mana two ones with evasion are like on the edge of unplayable yeah but as many one ones with evasion as possible and so they play those out. And so sometimes you see the curve of turn one, one mana, one, one, turn two, two, one mana, one, ones, and then Edric draw three cards go. Yep. Then it's the next turn where they're drawing five cards and then suddenly you're facing down an extra turn spell.
0: Yeah, that's where it starts to get you. That's
1: where it starts to get you, is that they gain this super huge card advantage so quickly. They start amassing more and more cards, and then it's inevitable that they play extra turn and they attack through again, draw as many cards, extra turn spell, and they chain all this stuff together.
0: When you're drawing, once they're drawing like seven or eight, their chance to draw an extra turn spell is so high that they play it, hit you again, draw eight more, probably draw one, and on the extra turn, play it, and then they can just get into these chains, yeah yeah it's pretty yeah it all it, it usually ends up like at the end it's usually like eh they took like seven turns in a row and killed us all with a bunch of you know with nine one ones but you get like one poked ones. with these yeah. tiny <laughs> tiny
1: creatures and it's just like ugh, ugh, I do like
0: seeing script sprites or scribe sprites on the battlefield because I haven't seen those since like 1994 oh, I like script sprites so every time I see yeah. one from an Edric deck I'm like oh I remember those days when we thought yeah, that card was good I know right yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't, Edric doesn't bug me too much, even when it does that, because you do have a chance, although it is hard, because when you Wrath, usually they've drawn enough cards that they don't care that much. Yeah,
1: I think you totally, you totally do have a chance, and there's some interaction there. Um, It is just one of those cards that, again, I see across the battlefield, and I'm like, ugh, like, I wonder what kind of Edric deck is. Am I just going to get poked to death by fairies? Yeah. Probably. 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 Right? Yeah.
0: All right. uh, We have some honorable mentions here. Yeah, so so why
1: do we have honorable mentions on this list, Josh?
0: uh, Because we're going to get yelled at if we don't talk (laughs) about some of these. Also, these were, you know, I considered a couple of these. I did too. I don't mind them myself, though. So I was mostly like, I know people... I was, sh- <laughs> I was sort of thinking like, I know people don't like some of these. And so I feel like we should mention them. Yeah. Xur um, was one we both thought about.
1: Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't mind Xur. And actually um, I think the Zer that we dislike is Doomsday Zer, the one that yeah. sort of combos really quickly. And I've actually seen a lot of more goofy Zers uh, yeah. around recently. And so I've actually thought Zur's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Xur tutors uh, enchantments and puts them into play. So that's a very strong thing to be doing, but
1: And sometimes the lines are very established that you're like, the first thing I get is this, the second thing I get is this, the third thing I get is this.
0: In the very strong decks, actually, Xur is kind of a backup plan to go get Necropotence and the Doomsday thing is the main part of it, which doesn't actually rely on Xur, which is weird, but that's the way it goes. Uh, Atraxa is another one that a lot of people don't like. I feel like people don't like Atraxa simply by virtue of the fact that she's everywhere. Like, you see her all the time. She's
1: super popular.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like me and Prosh, although I think Prosh is a much stronger deck than the Atraxa decks. Mm -hmm. But when you just see a commander consistently all the time, maybe two or three people in your playgroup have it. You just kind of start to get sick of it.
1: I actually don't mind attracts Cause there's a ton of different ways to build it. And I've seen so many different variations yeah. of it that ultimately your deck could be very different than another person's deck. Super not friends
0: like, is a little bit like, it's going to be a slog. It's <laughs> not, yeah, like, I know it's not so powerful, that. but it's just like, ah, uh, it's going to be a long game. Cause we're going to spend a lot of time trying to get rid of planeswalkers and keep tracks under control. But mm, yeah, it's still a cool deck. Um, Animar?
1: Uh, Animar, we might be a little bit inoculated against because Vinny plays Animorphs, which you can watch on Game Nights, which is a sweet deck. (laughs) And uh, he still has some combos in there, but I know a lot of people that have Animar decks that are... Really difficult to interact with because it's a race to um, statue. What is that called? The statue combo? Where you just bounce, ancestral statue? Yeah, where you just bounce the statue back and forth over and over again or some other Cloud Dream. some
0: Curio. Dream, dream Stalker.
1: A, dream, dream.
0: There's a whole bunch of cards that basically go uh, infinite with Animar once you get a couple of counters on them. So Animar is a creature that every time you play a creature, he gets a 1-1 counter. And then all your creatures cost one mana less to cast for each counter on Animar. It's why with morphs, it's really good because morphs are always three colorless mana. So once you get three counters on Animar, you just cast all your morphs for Morph, free. For, 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 for. Yeah, it's cool, though, because in that deck, you have to pay mana to flip them up. So it's just... It's pretty fair. It's a fun build, yeah. yeah. But there are a whole bunch of ways to go infinite with Animar where you play a creature that bounces itself or, or another creature, and you get two of those going, and Animar just gets arbitrarily large. And our, Animar also has protection from what white, black and white black and white so a lot that, of times can just swing for free i think if Animar didn't have protection from black and white exactly it would be like it would
1: be t- it would be way more fine and people wouldn't complain as much about it uh yeah i think yeah, it's the protection
0: anamar's another one i think that used to be like a top tier deck similar yeah. to Mar- narset and now is not so uh is is still you know in that high tier but not like considered one of the best decks in the format it's not a power level thing necessarily it's just when you lose, you just tend to lose to, like, you know... Arbitrarily the, big Animar? Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. that can happen early. Like, I've I've tied to... Even Vinny, who's not normally comboing out, but if he just happens to draw the card, it's like, oh, it's turn three. It's turn four. I'll just... I guess I'll kill somebody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it can happen out of nowhere.
0: Uh, and the last one that a lot of people mention is Derevi. Derevi is... Do we we talked about Derevi a few episodes ago? I yeah. forget why. Uh
1: Sheldon Mennery, oh, um, right, had it in the article of a card that he thought was dangerous for the or that he didn't like in his playgroup. That's one of his most hated cards.
0: Yeah, there you go. So Derevi taps and untaps things and gets around commander tax. Problem is Derevi decks are usually stacks decks. They usually revolve around things like stasis and winter orb because Derevi gives you a way to tap and untap things that other players don't have. And so similar to Grand Arbiter, you just kind of run into these games where like it's going to be a slog. Yeah.
1: And also also feels a little bit similar to Edric too, where they, they have these creatures that can get through and trigger yeah. uh, Derevi over and over again. And so you are getting hit, but you're getting hit for like four, but then it's giving them such a man advantage. Uh you, you feel the game slipping away, but slipping away so slowly.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of times it's like a couple flying vigilant creatures and you're like, yep, but I can't untap ever. And they're getting to tap three things. To my zero things and so that's just enough that it's yes i'm going to die to that it's just going to take a while
1: and if you kill derevi it's just like boom right back on the battle oh, yeah
0: deal. they're like yep just recast yeah derevi is but again a- this
1: is on un- our honorable mentions i might be like a little bit annoyed by drevi but i'm actually a, maybe i don't see it enough uh that it's not driving me insane like some people out there but i kind of like the bird wizard it looks cool
0: i used to have a derevi deck and it did some of those stasis e. Uh, winter orb things and I was like "Eh, this is not that fun it takes forever so I took it apart so maybe that's why we don't see Derevy a lot because people who play it maybe got bored with it I don't know yeah maybe okay to the listeners what are your most hated commanders to play against I'm sure we missed some, and you're going to be like, why didn't you talk about this one? Well, this is your chance. Just go into the comments or go to Twitter and uh, let us know.
1: Do you know what's funny is I think that this changes throughout metas. It changes yeah. throughout playgroups and it stuff like over that. Time. It changes over time. I used to hate Ural of the Yep. because it had hexproof, and it was just big, and it smashed into it, and I was like, oh, I hate it, so I built my deck kind of around it, and uh, I haven't seen a Ural deck in years.
0: It's very strong deck still, but, yeah, it's one of those ones that as – Things have evolved. Maybe, I don't know, have more cards come out that kind of naturally hate it out. That can happen too. Or just people just got bored with it and they're building the new thing. Uh, Rafiq was one.
1: Rafiq was another one too. I wasn't really bothered by Rafiq because I felt like I could always hold up instant speed of removal. But still, like Rafiq, man, plagued some playgroups for a time.
0: Rafiq was definitely a commander that used to be, it would go into the command zone and everybody else would be like, oh, Rafiq. (laughs) But I feel like nobody does that anymore. They're not scared of Rafiq. I would... I was inoculated to Rafiq early because of, you know, I have to learn how to defeat Infect, which is the same way you defeat Rafik so, you know. Didn't have to worry about it after a few games.
1: So now you guys have a list of the commanders that you need to bring when you play against Josh and yeah. I at GPs. Yep, exactly. So definitely make sure you build these decks uh, and, I didn't and bring these that. cards. Now all of them see play is the Grand Arbiter us. decks.
0: <laughs> oh great! I should
1: build a Grand Arbiter. Deck, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, you should. We should. No. Uh,
1: and by the way, if you want to play uh, against me at GP oh, oh, yeah. Portland. That's coming up in just a few days. I'm going to go on up to Portland and I'm going to be playing a bunch of commanders. So if you live in the area, plan on going to the GP, follow me on Twitter at jumbo commander. I'll be tweeting out stuff and we can play some games and hang out.
0: Yeah. That's a really great way to find the commander area too. somebody like DJ's that's is going to, well, the commander area might find him. Uh, So follow him on Twitter. And what I say to people is like, a lot of people don't like Twitter. I get it. Totally get it. Yeah. Just join Twitter for the weekend while you're at the GP, then you can quit afterwards. But that'll give you sort of an inside line to like what's happening and where it's happening. DJ will be a good person to be following because he's going to be like, we're at table 235, and that's where the commander is. But that tends to move around because of the way side events and things work. Sometimes they'll come in and they're like, we need this space, and then the commander area will maybe move. And DJ, he's going to be on top of that the whole time. Thanks, Ros. Also, yeah. there's usually hangouts and stuff. Like afterwards, people go to dinner and things like that. So if you want to hang out with DJ, that's another way to, to possibly get that. Sometimes time. I get
1: tired of Commander, but I'm just there to like say, like, show me your deck. What's up? You know? Let's let's hang out a little bit. Let's draft Battle Bond.
0: Man, I wish I was going to GP Portland. ah well, next time, especially since I'm from from Portland, but I was just there. That's where I got sick. So yeah, I don't want to go back. Right
1: <laughs> do I are <laughs> like I'll get double sick if I go back. <laughs>
0: Um, So we just talked about a bunch of most hated commanders, but maybe you like them. And if you do, you should go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's where you can pick up the Prosh deck like we were talking about. If you use the affiliate link when you do that stuff, you really are supporting this channel, Game Nights, Extra Turns, all of our content. It's the holiday season. You might want to buy gifts for people. That's a great way to do it. Also, if you buy them an expensive card like Food Chain, you probably want to put that into a sleeve because it's expensive and you want to protect it. And... Who makes the best sleeves on the market? Well, it's Ultra Pro. You really wanna get the Eclipse sleeves. All of their sleeves now have that Eclipse technology though where they are super durable. They will last for a long time and they will protect your stuff. Also, as far as gifts are concerned, they've got these awesome wall scrolls that we've talked about before. There's the History of Benalia one back there. There's the Black Lotus one uh, that you've seen on game nights. There's a ton of awesome gift ideas for you know magic lovers in your, in your play group and your family and all that. So pick that stuff up, support the channel. And uh, make somebody happy. Okay. Now it's time for the end step, where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. So, have you ever watched the show Narcos?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So, on Netflix, there's a series. It's called Narcos. It's been going on for a a number of years now. But they just started up sort of a new series of it. That's hard to explain, right? Imagine the the first couple of seasons of Narcos were about Pablo Escobar in colombia and medellin about the rise and fall of his drug cartel and that kind of stuff okay and now they've started one you don't have to have watched the original couple seasons it's still the same name the show narcos but it's about the mexican drug cartels the Sinaloan cartel Oh, okay and so they're kind of following you know the rise and fall it's it's the drug war during the early 80s
1: so it's a little bit about the wire where basically that's the, a really. The, 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 where basically, because in The Wire is, is great. The you Wire watch is great. We've talked about it the show. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show. Yeah, Jimmy the show loves before, The Wire. Where basically it's kind of like the new season shifts a little bit. Yeah. And even though it's still set in Baltimore and The Wire, it's like, it's still set in like sort of the criminal justice system and stuff like that. Same thing with like True Detective. It might yeah. switch uh, completely. So this is something that's in the same vein of. We're talking, about, we're talking about drugs and gangs and cartels and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. We're just going to shift locations.
0: Yeah, those are both really good examples because The Wire kept simil- the same characters a lot of times yeah, yeah, and they yeah. would add some, um, whereas True Detective switched characters, right? Oh, it's completely different. Yeah, so what happened is that that's what happened now. So this new season of Narcos, it's a good place to jump in because you don't have to know anything about what happened before because none of the characters are crossing over, at least from what I've watched so far. And it's just a similar themed and, you know, it's got the same production value and all the good writing and acting that you, you know, that we liked from the first two seasons, but it's now a different subject matter. And I think, you know, it's hard when everybody likes a show and they're talking about it, but you, like, you have to jump in so far back, it feels like, uh, I'm just too far behind. Well, yeah. Narcos is a show where, like, you can just start right now, start watching it and enjoying it, and you don't need to know what happened before. So, I really like the show. It is rated R, so sorry, probably not for the kids out there. Um, but The Wire in the way that The Wire was kind of like a realistic look of how things actually work, Mm. Narcos is kind of like that. Very cool. how, How like the drug war actually worked from both sides, from the cartel side and from the DEA and the, you know, trying to police it side. Very cool. All right. Something you should check out on YouTube is Jumbo Commander, our buddy DJ, right here. In fact, Jimmy's coming back very soon and we are going to... Jimmy. You know, we should we should address this. So, a lot of people have been asking, what's going to happen with DJ when Jimmy's back? Because you've been so great on the show and people have really liked having you on and are worried. You know, pretty worried. Like, I get a lot of worried. Like, what, what's going to happen with DJ? Are we still going to have him on? Um, so, yes, our goal, my goal, a lot of it's up to DJ, <laughs> is to have DJ be involved with our stuff still and still come back on the show Game Nights, you guys have been asking us to have DJ on. Game Nights, we hear you. He's definitely going to be on. Eventually, it's been tough because Game Nights is planned so far in advance that like we just had to you know, eventually find the spot where we could fit him in because a lot of that stuff was pre-planned months ago. Um, Extra Turns is another place where DJ could come in. We've got other content in the works. Um, I don't know. DJ, do you want to talk to that at all? People that are asking like, you know, command zone, DJ. What's going to happen? Do you? We don't know exactly what's going to happen. But. Exactly,
1: and I think one of the most important things is that. We, we want to welcome Jimmy back with open arms really, and that he is rearing to go. And so, uh, Jimmy is going to come back and just start loving commander again and talking about it and stuff like that. And we want to make sure that he has the the platform to be able to do that. So I'm excited to watch the command zone with Jimmy back on it. And I'm excited to do more interaction. And honestly, it's about the creative process, uh, we Josh and I we brainstorm about stuff. I'm excited to work with Jimmy too because I've only done one episode with him.
0: That's true, the one where you guested the very yeah, first time. the
1: very first time. And like I've j- I've barely seen Jimmy and so it's going to be nice to play some more commander with him, uh work with him and we'll all bounce ideas off each other and just basically we're going to work towards the best commander content that we can.
0: And speaking of that, we buried the lead a little bit there. Sorry.
1: Let me follow up with, let me follow up with something that I want to promote promote on my own channel actually. So Josh was about to promote my channel, but I want to promote something. It's a year old video, okay? I know. (laughs) Basically I made a video that did not get a a lot of views a year ago and because it's not an exciting topic. Basically it's, hey, do you have a bunch of bulk lying around? Uh, this is the time where a lot of places are accepting like toys for kids. They're accepting a lot of stuff, oh, and I gamer. made and I made a video about how to turn your bulk into an awesome present for someone that doesn't have a present during the holiday season. And it's actually a little bit more tricky than you think because a lot of places won't just take a stack of magic cards. And so sometimes you have to find the right thing, put your magic cards through the right process, prepare the right gift so that when people get magic cards, that they're actually getting something cool that they're excited about and not just getting draft chaff. Uh, so I want to promote that video. I don't know how to get people to watch a year old video, but we'll put in links and What's try it to call? repost and stuff like that. It's called Donating for the Holiday Season. And uh, I'll link it in Twitter. We'll have links all over the There'll place. There'll be links in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, so if you have a bunch of bulk lying around, we kind of all, all do. We all do, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're thinking about putting something together that would be really cool for people. This could be a video that could help you do that and, and help get magic cards out to more people and give people good Christmases. Um, also, one thing I mentioned in the video that I'll mention here, maybe along with it, you donate socks and underwear because that's one of the things that people need most uh, for these donation facilities, and they get the least of. So you might come there with like this weird thing of magic cards that they might be a little bit sketchy for someone, but also a huge pack of underwear and socks. And then they're like, all right, we'll take it all."
0: Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. You kind of entice them like, well, I want that socks and underwear. So even if your magic cards are kind of weird. Yeah,
1: so I'll take this (laughs) this weird, slightly unwrapped thing or something like that. Um, But anyways, please check out the video because I think it could do a lot of good for a lot of people out there.
0: That's a really good idea. And please also think about donating to, you know, good causes around this time of year because there's a lot of kids out there that just, they don't get any presents at all. Yeah. So you can simultaneously be giving them a game that you love and that's going to be like a good companion for them throughout their entire life. So, yeah, I like that message. Just shows what a good guy DJ is. A couple of other good guys that you should check out are our sister podcast, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They do the Masters of Modern. They talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. Okay, when this video releases, Ultimate Masters won't quite be out yet. But it will be almost out, which means some of you are going to be getting a bunch of cards that are good in modern, Alex and Ben will tell you what to do with those cards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're going to tell you to just throw them in Commander decks. They're yeah. going to actually yeah. say, like, no, 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 we got a plan here.
0: There are a ton of them <laughs> that are good in Commander, let's be honest. But some of them are only good. Like, if you get Tarmoglyphs, you need to put those into Modern decks. So, uh, Alex and Ben, the Masters of Modern. Just go to YouTube, type in the Masters of Modern, and you'll find their stuff. Or they're right next to us at Collected.company.
1: Our editor for the show is Josh Murphy. Murph. Thanks, Murph. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG. We have a beautiful waterfall behind
0: us. Search for us, Conta. We found it. It says Conta. <laughs> All right, everyone. <laughs> thanks for watching. Bye. Peace.